This podcast is presented to you by Pastor Randy Han and Celebration Church in Fresno, California. For more information, please visit celebrationchurch.cc. Today we're starting a, a new series, and I'm entitling it uh, Reach. And, uh, you know, we're, ga- we're gathering this, this weekend, and it always continues to kind of be a, a, a difficult thing. Uh, to gather in the midst of, of I guess, tumultuous times and uh, when the, the climate of our, our world is very intense. It's no secret that even just this, this last week, our, our nation experienced another great tragedy. I think for those of us that are followers of Christ that, that come to church on a weekend, it, it, it hit, hit home extra, you know, extra close. Uh, you know, as, as a shooting broke out in a church in, in Texas, not just that, there was a, a shooting uh, right here in, in uh, Fresno area last weekend at a church. And uh, I think it's important in, in a season, uh, at a time where, where terrorism is extremely rampant, that, that we remember uh, amidst stereotypes and finger pointing, that terrorism in and of itself does not come from Muslims. Terrorism does not come from white people. Terrorism does not come from black people. Terrorism does not come from any religious group. Terrorism does not come from any racial group. Terrorism comes from evil itself. Terrorism comes from the devil. This is where terrorism comes from. And while, while evil is greater than the cowards that carry out uh, its, its acts, um, they're, they're all, in essence, terrorists. And here's why. Because the devil's purpose in in getting people to accomplish acts of evil in the world is always, always, always to cause terror. Always to cause terror. Why? There's there's an ultimate goal. The reason that the devil wants to cause terror in our world, because if he can cause terror, he causes fear. Where he causes fear, he causes the ultimate goal, which is this isolation. When when we come into church in the context of faith, the, the big theme is this, family. That God has adopted you into his family. That no matter your background, no matter what you've been through, no matter the situations that that you've faced, you no longer have to be a victim to the circumstances of the family that you grew up in. God places you in a family. The devil, he's he's on the opposite side of the spectrum. What he's wanting you to do is, is, is to make you feel isolated, like you can never fit in, like you're never safe, like you're never a part of something greater than yourself, that you're never a part of a family. This is the goal of terror. This is the goal of evil. And, and when, we, when we look at these situations in the world around us, this is what we see happen. And uh, you know, negative situations happen, tragic situations happen. Immediately, people begin to isolate. We do this at first as, as means of self-preservation, trying to, to protect ourselves. Uh, case in point, uh, after the, the, shoot, the Las Vegas shootings, my wife and I, we were out in uh, downtown Clovis walking around. And there was this gentleman, he began walking on, on the other side of the street, and, he, and he's shouting. He's just shouting just profanities and stringing words together that didn't make sense, just, just really awkward. Here came this woman, and, and, and she's coming walking on the side of the street with us, and all of a sudden her eyes just get really big, and you can tell she's just kind of in a, in a, in a fit of, of, of panic, and she's like just kind of just, just scurrying around almost in circles, and, and she looks at us, and she says, just with everything crazy going on in my life, I just, in, in, in this world, I just, I just don't even want to leave my house. 
And if we're honest, a lot of us feel this way when we see these crazy things happening in the world around us. I heard on the radio the other day that the pe- people are, are, are constantly, even now, canceling vacations and things that they've had planned for years. Some of us today, there's people today that didn't show up to church because of what they heard uh, you know, happened in, in Texas last week or in Fresno uh, just this last week. And, and we do this as means of self-preservation. It actually starts... As, as a good thing. We're, we're wanting to keep ourselves safe. So here's what, here's what evil does. This is why we're seeing all of this stuff happen more and more because he wants to move us from just moments of self-preservation to where we actually live our lives in isolation. He wants to take us from these moments of, and, and that's the thing about the devil. The devil has no power in our lives. He's, he's powerless. We talked about this a couple weeks ago, but he's a trickster. He, he wants to trick you. He wants to deceive you. So he'll start with the, he'll, he'll use these instances where you think, man, I'm just keeping myself safe. I'm just protecting myself. And now, now I move past just self-preservation. It actually becomes a way that I live my life. And this transcends, this transcends just, just, just tragedy. I mean, we do this in, in, in our lives. Uh, people, when, when, we, when we isolate ourselves even socially within our, our relationships, right? We'll say things like, man, I, I like to keep my circle small and, and, and we're content. And really, it's, an, it's another form of isolation and we don't really see it. How, how do I know? Because, because I'm like that. I'm the type of person that I, I, if, if you had a conversation with me, I would tell you that I keep my circle small. It would be one thing if I kept my circle small and, and man, why do I keep my, my circle small? Because I just freaking love people so much. No! The reason I keep my circle small is what I've been, I've been wounded by people. I've been hurt. I've, I've experienced disappointment. And because I've experienced disappointment, what do I have the tendency to do? I have the tendency to isolate. My hope in this series, my hope in this conversation today, that's why I've kind of even changed my posture from normal, is that we would consider something that I think that we all know. But I think that, I think that sometimes in life you have to put things back on the table and reevaluate re- how... Am I living my life? Uh, times are just, are, just, are just different. The world that we live in is different. Uh, speaking of different, my, uh, talking with my seven-year-old the other day, and uh, I grew up in a Christian home, and things were like a little bit different, I guess, in the, in the church world, or maybe in our church. Like the, the Christian music was like a really big thing. I know it probably should be a bigger thing like in our church, but it seems like um, we don't really talk about that anymore. But there was this artist named Carmen, and he had this song, and it was uh, Who's in the House? You familiar? Who is in the house? J.C., yeah. And J.C. meant what? Jesus Christ. Yeah. So, like, uh, it was my seven-year-old the other day. We're in the, we're in the, the kitchen. My wife, we, somehow we begin singing this song. Like, I don't know why we're singing. Who is in the house, J.C.? We don't do that all the time. That would be weird. Um, like a blast from the past. And uh, my wife turns to my son. She says, Elam, he's seven. He's around the church all the time. time. And she says, Elam, you know who J.C. is, right? He said, oh, yeah, Mom. And uh, she said, you know who J.C. is? She says, he says, yeah, duh. And she said, well, well what does J.C. stand for? He said, John Cena. Say it's a little comic relief, but the times are changing. <laughs> John Cena. <clears throat> In a world where we are forced, um, I think, by circumstance to isolate, I, I think that we... We don't realize how, how just dangerous it is for us. And science is beginning to show this. And I'm going to say some things, and at first it's probably going to sound bizarre. Uh, but science is showing that the more we isolate, and social isolation is not just being a loner or, or a, a hermit, someone who just hangs out in your room all the time. It's when we become closed off to others. 
When we come, I'm, I'm good with just my circle. When we live our lives like this, science is actually showing that the health, it's actually affecting our health. That the health risks of social isolation are, are, are just as dangerous as obesity. They're showing that mortality risks, mortality risks associated with social isolation is equivalent of the, of the mortality risks of smoking. And it's, it's no wonder in the world around us, people struggle with loneliness more than they've ever struggled before. We've never been more surrounded by people, but we've never lived more lonely lives. Back in the 80s, they used to do uh, research studies and they would ask people that question. Do you struggle with loneliness? In the 80s, only 20% of people uh, would admit to, to struggling with loneliness. Uh, in this day and age, nearly 50% of all Americans admit to struggling with loneliness. It's, it's something that, that's, that's dangerous for us. And what's, what's funny is I mentioned science, but, but God has been saying this all along about isolating, about, about making it just about me, a me-centric life. In Hebrews, it says this, but we are not among those who shrink back. We are not among those who emit situations and hurt and pain and devastation. We are not among those who draw back. We are not among those who isolate. He says, uh, and thus perish. What is it communicating? When, when, I, when I bring everything in in my life, when I live a me-centric life, when I isolate my relationships, and whether it be because of hurt or pain, whether it be because of anxiety or situations that I've, I've faced in my life, when I shut people off, I don't need anybody new in my life. I don't need any new relationships. I'm good with just me. I need to protect myself. I need to keep myself safe. I'm actually setting myself up to perish. And this is something that the scripture has talked about, about all along. We draw back in the midst of situation. I think there's two major reasons. I think the first reason is because we're afraid. The reason we, we, we isolate in our life is because of fear. This is the ultimate goal of terrorism. We talked about that. Not just that, but I, I think that, that we're afraid because we've had bad experiences. Some of us have invested our lives into relationships. Some, some of us, even in the context of the local church, Man, we've, we've poured our lives into people. We've invested into people. Man, man we've showed people that they, were, that they were loved and we've encouraged them. And man, we, 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 went, we spent time that we, we, we sacrificed with our family and at work to invest in these people. And then as time goes on, they do something and they, and they, they run off and they don't care or they, or they betray us or they, they do something that, man, man, how could you do that to me after everything that I've done for you? We invest ourselves in relationships. And when they go south, I think that we're afraid. We isolate because we're afraid that it would happen again. Why would I invest myself when I've, I've already tried that? I've already tried that and, and, and look what happened. The, the other reason I think that we're afraid is uh, some of us, we, we, we sabotage. I don't know if you're like this. I've experienced this in my life. We, we have this, this, this mentality that if things are good, that they won't stay good because of our track record, because we've seen it play out in our life time and time again. And so what we'll end up doing is we'll isolate ourselves before our situation can isolate us. Things are good. My relationships are good. You may do this in the context of relationships. Man, it seems like everything is going good, but before you can hurt me, I'm just going to isolate myself because there's no way that this could possibly stay good. We're afraid. Fear is such a dangerous thing, though, because fear is a force. Just like in, in, uh, in, the, in the context of spirituality, we would talk about faith being a force. Faith is like, like money makes our, our, makes our economy go around. In the spirit realm, it's faith. It's our belief that makes things move. So, so faith, in essence, attracts to you what you want. When I have faith, when I believe God for things, faith attracts to me what I want. 
fear is, is, is equally a force, but it's a force that works in the opposite direction. Because fear is basically faith in the wrong things. That's what fear is. So, so for, where, where faith attracts to you what you do want, fear is going to attract to you the things that you don't want. That's why it's important in our lives, man, when we're tormented, when, when fear has this opportunity to grip our souls, that we stand up to it, that we fight against fear, that we resist fear. Why? Because the more that I fear, the more that I fear, haven't you heard the, the statement, what you fear will come upon you? That's actually true. You know why? Because, because fear is a force. This is why in, in Isaiah it says this, so do not fear. This is what God says to us. For I am with you in the midst of situations where you hear about tragedy every single week. This is what God says to us. Do not fear. I know you want to be afraid. I know you want to isolate. I know you want to self-preserve. I know you want to live a me-centric life. But refuse to give in to fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous hand. Sometimes when we feel these symptoms of fear, we have to to do what David did in the book of of Psalms. Uh, It says this, when I am afraid, I put my trust in you. God, when I read the headlines of devastation and pain, and I think to myself, man, what is this world coming to? In those moments where I want to isolate and I want to bring it in and I want to protect myself and I want to live a me-centric life. Instead, God, when I'm afraid, I don't put my trust in my ability to protect myself. I place my trust in you. We are not of those who draw back. I think the other reason that we draw back, number two, is that we find comfort in isolation. We find comfort in isolation. When I can protect and know my social group and I let nobody else in, what do I find? I find comfort in that. When I feel like I can, I can protect all of the variables, I can live my life just as a hermit in my house and never have to go out, what do I do? I find comfort because I feel like, like I'm safe. But, but comfort, living a comfortable life is nothing more than, than buying into a false sense of security. It's like, it's like a, a, a bird in a nest. We think of a nest, and, and when most of us think of a nest, we think of a place of security, right? We'll, we'll use things like, oh, they just don't want to leave the, the nest, Right? It's time to get out of the nest. When we refer to the nest, we're, we're, we're referring to a place where we are comfortable. Do you know that, that uh, just with, with animals, with birds, birds, uh, well, the, the, mom, the mom bird will, will a lot of times try to get the baby bird out of the nest as fast as possible. You ever, you ever seen that? You might see like a baby bird like, man, the bird can't really even fly, yet the mom has kicked it out of its nest. Because birds know that actually this place that we see as a place of comfort is actually the most dangerous place for a baby bird to be. Because, the net, because predators know to look for nests. And, and, and in other words, where, this, where we would think it was a place of safety, it's actually a place of great vulnerability. And in, in our lives, when, when we feel the most comfortable, those are the times we are the most vulnerable. It's like we miss out on the life that we could have because we're settling for the life that we do have. This comfortable, safe life. God has not called you to live a comfortable, safe life. How silly would it be for a baby bird to live its life in the comfort of its nest? Why? You were say, bird, you were born to fly. Bird, you were born to soar. And I think in our lives, when we draw back 
man, we're settling for a comfortable life. And God is looking at us in the comfort. Man, man, we're comfortable, but you were born to fly. You were born to soar. You were born for greatness. You weren't born to live comfortable. We weren't born for isolation. And, and when we talk about things like this, I, this is why I changed my posture. Because, because I think we would say, yeah, I, I don't want to live like that. I don't want to live a drawn back life. I don't want to be the kind of person where things happen that I just draw back and I isolate. So, so the question is, how do, I, how do I live a life beyond that? When things are going crazy in the world around me, how do I, how do I press past circumstance? How do I push through tragedy? And I, I think we find the answer in, in Scripture. In the book of Philippians, it says this, No, dear brothers, I'm still not all that I should be, but I'm bringing all my energies to bear on this one thing. Okay, this is, this is kind of what I want to talk about today. I'm still not all I should be, okay? But I'm bringing all of my energies to bear on this one thing. In other words, I'm bringing all of the energies and effort, everything that I am as a person, an individual, a follower of God, a follower of Christ, a parent, a teacher, a leader, a child, whatever it is that I am, I'm bringing my entire being, all of my energies to focus on this one thing, okay? And here's the one thing. Forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. Forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. How do I avoid living a me-centric, isolated life? The first step, the first thing that I have to do is I have to be willing to forget what was behind me. And, and, and in our lives, I mean, we experience painful things. And I know you say, man, how can I actually wipe it away from my memory? And we hear, you know, miraculous stories of people like actually forgetting. But, but I think this is how we do it. The, the way that we forget the past is simply by looking forward to what lies ahead. The more you look forward to the potential that you have in your life, the more you look forward to the great things that God is going to do, where well, you're thankful the things that God has done, but I'm more focused on the things that God is going to do. I'm thankful for the miracles that he's done in the past, but I'm more anticipating the miracles he's going to do in the future. I'm thankful for what God has saved me from, but I'm looking more forward to the people that are going to be saved in the future. And, it, and it's funny, the more you focus on the future, and you, you may be a person today that's really, really struggling. Maybe you've come through a really bad relationship. Maybe you're somebody that's just the, the news. When you watch the news, it just consumes your life. Part of, part of forgetting or letting go, when you focus on the future, this is what I, I found it to be in my life. The more I focus on the future, when I look at my past, it's like I know things have happened, but it's almost like watching a movie or something. It's like, it almost seems like it didn't really happen. It almost seems like it really, in other words, it has no, long, no longer has power in my life. We have, to, we have to make the choice to forget what has passed, and not just the bad things. We have to be willing to let go of the good things and know that even though that God has done great things in your past, he wants to do even greater things in your future. Maybe you're someone who, who's, who's lost a loved one, and it's hard for you to move past this. When we talk about forgetting, I'm not talking about forgetting that person. I'm talking about the, the, the way that, that you honor someone's life is not by living in the past. The way that you honor someone's existence is by taking them with you into the future. Live life. Man, dream big dreams. Trust God. Let go of the past. Forget the past. And reach into the future. So I look forward to what lies ahead. And, and, and what lies ahead? 
I, I strain to reach the end of the race and receive the prize for God is calling us up to heaven because of what Jesus did for us. In other words, when I'm willing in my life to let go of what was, here's, here's where the power lies. I, I remember why I'm here. I remember that, that I'm not just a per- person occupying a space in a system. I am not just a temporary being. The reason we become so just, just full of, 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 of terror and, and, and fear is because we forget, we forget guys, we're, we're just passing through. I mean, man, things may be bad around us, but, but we're on our way somewhere. This is just, this is but a vapor. This life is not all that there is. And so when, when, when I forget what's behind me, when, in other words, when I, when I refuse to be isolated by the situations that I face or that our nation faces, and I, and, I, and I lift my eyes towards something greater, and I focus on what is to come, I find a new, a new power in life. Why? Because I'm reminded that this is not all there is. We're working on something. We're going somewhere. We're going to spend eternity in heaven with God one day. And, 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 and it, what does that do? It reminds me, it reminds me as, as, as a person, not just as a person, but as a follower of Christ, as a believer, that I have a purpose. Man, man, guys, there's a reason that we exist. In times like this, when the world is getting dark, man, God has a purpose for your life. You're not just here to, to, to occupy. You're not just here to insulate. You're not just here to isolate. You're not here to just live a me-centric life. God has you on this earth for a reason. In the, in the book of, of, of Matthew, he says it like really bold. He says this, let me tell you why you're here. Just in case you lose sight, just in case the tragedy around you causes you to lose sight, let me tell you why you're here. You're here to be salt seasoned that brings out the God flavors of this earth. What, what is that talking about? There's a portion of scripture that says, taste and see that the Lord is good. Taste and see that the Lord is good. You are the salt of the earth. Taste and see that the Lord is good. You are the salt of the earth. In other words, the way that people taste and see God is through you. He, he, he continues and he says it here. Here's another way to put it. Here's another way to put it in verse 14. Uh, you're, here to br- you're here to be light, bringing out the God colors uh, in the world. He says, God is not a secret to be kept. We're going public with this, as public as a city on a hill. If I make you light bearers, you don't think I'm going to hide you under a bucket, do you? No, I'm putting you on a light stand. He says this, now that I've put you there on the hilltop on a light stand, shine. Keep open house. I love this. Be generous with your lives. Don't be isolated. Don't just be about your circle. Be open. I, I, know, I know you put yourself out there to be hurt again, but the risks of putting yourself out there to be hurt again far outweigh the risks of living an isolated life. Be generous with your life because this is what it says. By, by, by opening up to others, by opening up to others, you prompt people to open up with God. We are called to be light in the darkness. Uh, in, in First Peter, it, it says this. Everything in the world is about going to be wrapped up. So take nothing for granted. Stay wide awake in prayer. Most of all, love each other as if your life depended on it. Because love makes up for practically anything. He says this. Be quick to give a meal to the hungry, a bed to the homeless, cheerfully. Be generous with the different things God gave you. Passing them around so everyone gets in on it. If words... Let it be God's word. If help, let it be God's hearty help. That way God's bright presence will be evident in everything through Jesus. And he'll get all the credit as the one mighty in everything. So much in our lives, we, we, we see the world around us getting darker. And we think, man, what difference can I make? 
What difference can I make? God calls us light. You know how powerful light is? You know how powerful? It doesn't take much light to, get dark, uh, to, to, to dispel darkness. In fact, let's, I have these lamps on. Just start dimming the, the lights down if you, if you can. What happens is everything begins to get darker. The lights get what? Brighter. Lights that you didn't even notice were in the room before. When everything began to get darker, what happened? The lights began to be more noticeable. You can turn the lights back up. This, this is us. This, this is what God has called us to do in our life. Man, when, when a tragedy strikes and there's a headline, this is good news. Why? Because God has called me to be light. And when it gets darker, I can shine brighter. God has called you to be light. And, and, and you may feel in this place, you may feel, yeah, but I don't have very much light to shine. It doesn't take much. That's, that's why the Bible says if it's words, then it's words. Whatever light you do have, use that light. You know why God wants, you know why God wants you to live a prosperous, victorious life? You know why He wants your relationships to flourish? You know why He wants your finances to flourish? You know why He wants your physical well-being to flourish? So that people can see God in you. Nobody wants to have a life that's broken. Nobody wants to have a life uh, that, that is a life of, of poverty. So in other words, whatever God has given you, there's a purpose in it. The things that God has given you, there's a reason that God has given you healthy relationships. There's a reason that you're working to have a better marriage. Why? So it can be light. So it can be light to the world around you. We have a responsibility. It's not, it's not about how much light you have. It's about what light do you have. I, I'm so fascinated. I mean, isn't it fascinating to you? You look at like a third world country like the Philippines. We have several... Uh, dozens of churches over there and you go over there and you would talk to a family and this family would would say man god is blessing us god is blessing my family like crazy and you're like yeah they're like yeah we've had more food to eat than we've ever had and they're like well well, what what are you talking they're like "We're, we're, we're getting to eat two meals a day like god is taking care of us he's blessing us with two meals a day and everybody else is barely getting one god is prospering my family isn't it interesting that while this, sam- this, this family will celebrate how God is taking care of them, you would come to America and you would hear people complaining about how God isn't taking care of me because I'm only getting two meals a day. I think in our lives, sometimes we get so fascinated by the amount of things that we have. We get so fascinated. My relationship is okay, but theirs is better. And we forget that whatever it is that we have, that there's a, there's, there's a purpose in it. God wants you to use whatever light you do have. I want to put it into to a statement like this because I could try to inspire you about all day about, hey, you can use your life to make a difference. Hey, you can use your life to make a difference. Hey, you can use your life to make a difference. But for many of us, that's no different than me telling you, hey, there's this really great restaurant that I think you should try out. You should try their bread pudding. It's incredible. You'd be like, yeah, that's awesome. Like, I would love to do that. That's great. But, but, but you, don't, you don't really know what I'm talking about because you, you haven't tasted it. And for me to, to tell you, man, you can make a difference. I think we all want to make a difference. But I, I think sometimes we fail to miss that, that just, just, just how serious this is. That in a world where dark, man, here, here's my point. God needs you. In the midst of darkness, God needs you to shine your light. What light? Whatever light you have. If it's words, let it be words. If it's help, let it be God's help. If it's through your relationships, let your relationships shine. Let yourself shine in the workplace. Let yourself shine with your attitude, with your smile, with your helping hand, with the way that you care about people. We have a light and we have a responsibility to shine. In Romans, it says this as, as we wrap up. It's, it's, this is a strong way to put it, but I didn't put, God is just, 
I think this weekend is about reminding us why we're here. How do we push past situations? Is, is, is a better day possible? Yes, because we're just passing through. This is, not, this is not all that there is. It's very nearsighted to just be consumed with the, with the world. We're, we're here. We're on mission. God has a purpose for us to be here in this earth and occupying a space. There's something that he has for us to do. He says this, but how can people call for help if they don't know uh, they don't know who to trust? And how can they know who to trust if they haven't heard the one who can be trusted? And how can they hear if nobody tells them? And how is anyone going to tell them unless someone is sent to do it? We are the ones that have been sent to do it with our lives. With our lives. In 1 John, 1 John 3, 16. By this we know, love, because Jesus laid down his life for us. And we also ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. But, but whoever has the world's goods, <laughs> whoever has things and sees his brother in need and shuts up his heart from him, how does the love of God abide in him? My little children, let us not love the world, uh, let's not love the world in, in word or in tongue, but in deed and in truth. Another translation says it like this, and this is just kind of where I want to wrap up our conversation. If you see some brother or sister in need, This is why we're here. If you see some brother or sister in need and have the means to do something about it, but you turn a cold shoulder and do nothing, what happens to God's love? Scripture says it disappears. And then it says this, and this is is heavy. Like when I, I read this, it just like hit me like a ton of bricks. He says, it disappears. And not just that, and and, and you, you made it disappear. Why? Because God made you to be light. In other words, when life gets hard, and man, I don't want to live a generous life, and, 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 I can, and I can see to say, okay, I'm not going to live generous because, man, things are just crazy. What happens? What happens to God's love? It disappears. The, the light goes away. When, 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 this is a hard one for me. When I'm out in public and somebody treats me nasty, and, and, and uh, rather than, than be a loving person and see beyond that, realize there's a greater perspective, but I, but I just lash out back, back to them. And, and, I, and I, instead, of, instead of just, you know, using my light to shine, what happens to God's love disappears. This is, this is, this is our lives, man. Our relationships, when we, when we don't invest, when we don't build our relationships and strengthen them, what happens to God's love? It disappears. My point is this, in, in this world that, 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 we, that we are surrounded by tragedy, we are surrounded by darkness, God has called us to be light. And we have a responsibility. This is heavy and this is strong, but, but you know what? This should be freedom to you because it will cause you to live your life above the storm. It will cause you to live your life above the headlines. It will cause you to live your life above tragedy. Why? When, when I realize, okay, okay, okay. Uh, it's not about me. It's not about an isolated life. There's a reason that I'm here. There's a purpose that I'm here. I'm called to be light. And I may not have all the things that I want, but whatever light I do have, I'm going to shine. In the midst of darkness, I'm going to shine. In the midst of tragedy, I'm going to shine. We have a responsibility, a God-given responsibility to use our lives. How do we push past tragedy? How do we push past circumstance? How do we push past devastating times? How do we push past pain and betrayal? How do we push past our own misdeeds? We realize that that, that there's more to life than those things. There's a purpose that God has a plan. 
And the plan is that we would use whatever light that we have to shine. Let's pray together. God, we thank you for an opportunity to gather. God, in this space today, let us be awakened to what life is really about. It's nothing, it, it, for many of us, God, we, we already know this. We, we just needed the reminder today. We constantly need the reminder that, that you, you, have, you have given us the businesses that we have so that it can be a light. The reason you need our lives to flourish and our marriages to flourish and our families to flourish, God, is not so that we could be exclusive, but so that we could be more inclusive, so that we can let our light shine. If you're maybe here today and you've never placed your faith in Christ, you don't even, you don't even know what it's like to live for something greater. You, you, you are consumed with here and now because you don't know anything about forever. The Bible says that when our life is over, we spend forever, eternity somewhere, heaven or hell. Whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. If you never placed your faith in Jesus, I want to give you an opportunity to pray with me. In fact, we're a family at all of our campus. Nobody prays alone. If you want to place your faith in Jesus, securing your eternity in heaven, being willing, being able to live for something greater than today, no longer a victim to circumstance, would you pray this prayer with me? Clovis Campus, would you help me? Let's pray it out loud. Say this. Say, Jesus, today I believe in my heart and I confess out of my mouth that you are the Son of God. I believe that you lived for me. I believe that you died for me. I believe that you came back from the dead for me. Today I call you my Savior. And I make you my Lord. I choose to live for something greater than circumstance. God help me to let my light shine. In Jesus' name, everybody said, Amen. Let's put our hands together and celebrate with those. This podcast is presented to you by Pastor Randy Han and Celebration Church in Fresno, California. For more information, please visit celebrationchurch.cc.